If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. This podcast is part of the Podcast Arcade Network. Hello, I am Randy Andrews, and today I'll be talking about Red Sonja from 1985. Today, Wonder Woman comes out in theaters, and it's good to talk about another strong female lead in the comic book movie genre. I'll talk about the background on the character, the comics, and the actors, and of course, the score today on Soundtrack Alley. by saying that this movie is dated and feels more like it was made back in 1982 rather than 1985. Today, Wonder Woman comes out to theaters, and it's great to talk about Red Sonja being another great comic book hero movie. Ennio Morricone uh, does an amazing job with the score for Red Sonja, and we'll get into that later. Right now, I'd like to talk about some of the movie facts that I've found. Sonia. Sonia. You are suffering, Sonia. But vengeance shall be yours. Vengeance on Queen Gedrin, who wanted you for herself. Your disgust was clear. And so it was that Gedrin ordered your family murdered. Your body violated by her soldiers. But in your quest for justice and vengeance, you will need great strength, for your sword arm must have no equal. I give you that strength.
Schwarzenegger's character was originally intended to be a reprisal of Conan, star of the comic book in which Red Sonja first appeared. But the film did not have the rights to this name, and an unofficial explanation endorsed by fans is that Kalidar is of Conan's traveling names, a common feature of multinational mythical legendary heroes such as Zeus, a.k.a. Jupiter, and J.R.R. Tolkien's Gandalf, a.k.a. Mithrandir. Maria Shriver said in a TV interview that at the premiere of this film, she remarked that her then-husband Arnold Schwarzenegger said, If this doesn't kill your career, nothing will. Arnold Schwarzenegger himself enchews this movie as one of his worst, yet he laughingly claims that it's an excellent disciplinary tool for his children. I tell them if they get on my bad side, they'll be forced to watch Red Sonja ten times in a row. Consequently, none of my kids have ever given me much trouble. Arnold Schwarzenegger and Bridget Nielsen had an affair during the filming of this film. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger signed up for a glorified, as a glorified cameo as a favor to producer Dino De Laurentiis. Much to his surprise, he was stuck on the set for four weeks, three weeks longer than expected. He discovered after watching a rough cut of the movie that his role had been expanded to co-star, thanks to crafty angles and multiple cameras. Soon after, Schwarzenegger decided to terminate his 10-year contract De Laurentiis. Michael Moorcock has mentioned that if it weren't for a timely intervention by his lawyers, his famous evil weapon Stormbringer might have appeared unauthorized in the film. In 2009, there was an option to make a remake of the film with Robert Rodriguez to direct and Rose McGowan to star as Red Sonja, succeeding Bridget Nielsen in the role. However, due to the failure of the 2011 remake of Conan the Barbarian, production was abandoned and both Rodriguez and McGowan backed out of the project. As of 2015, the remake is in development hell. It's also commonly believed that Robert E. Howard created the character of Red Sonja in one of his Conan short stories. In reality, he created a character that had a similar name, Red Sonja, uh, which appeared in Shadow of the Vulture, a story set in 16th century Turkey with no Conan connections. This was the namesake of the famous Red Sonja who appeared in a Conan comic book written by Roy Thomas and illustrated by Barry Windsor Smith. The Western, Hanny Calder, is considered a possible influence behind the film. In that film, Hanny Calder, red-haired main protagonist Raquel Welsh, learned to use a gun and becomes a vengeful gunwoman as she sets out to seek revenge upon the three outlaws who raped her and killed her husband and is joined on her quest for revenge by a bounty hunter who is Robert Culp. The original theatrical trailer of this movie contains cutting room floor footage of scenes glimpsed only briefly in the film's prologue. Sonia, left to perish in her burning home, is saved by her dying brother Barlock. Gedrin, prior to her disfigurement, addresses her soldiers and slaves. And that's some of the uh, extensive uh, footage that they added to the trailer. 
The name of Ron Lacey's character, Eichel, spelled backwards, is Loki. Loki, in Nordic mythology, was the god of evil and corruption, infamous for being a jealous, prone troublemaker, and plays a pivotal role in the end of the world. Sandahal, a Bergman, was initially cast as the title character, but decided on portraying Queen Gedrin instead to help avoid typecasting. This was also the last cinema film of Tut Lemkow. In the flashback, when Sonya slashes Queen Gedrin's face, giving Gedrin her scar, it is in the shape of the letter F, which is kind of odd. Uh, the critic Gene Siskel called the film a bad film that was unintentionally funny. Despite what the critics say, I actually very much enjoy this film and find it to be essential to the fantasy genre. In Conan the Barbarian, Sandal uh, Bergman played Valeria, a thief and the love of Conan's life. Bergman was offered the role of Red Sonia, but turned it down, choosing instead to play the villainous Queen Gedrin. De Laurentiis met with the actress Lauren Landon and was set to offer her the role of Red Sonia until he discovered that she was in an earlier film called Hundra. Fearing that it was too similar, De Laurentiis decided not to give her the part. On a 2015 episode of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, soap opera actress Aline Davidson revealed that she auditioned for the role and was actually runner-up to Bridget Nielsen. It took Laurentiis almost a year to find an actress Amazonian enough to play the title character. He was still looking, eight weeks before the scheduled production when he saw Bridget Nelson on the cover of a fashion magazine. The 21-year-old native of Helsinger, Denmark, in Milan, was there for a modeling job, and soon found herself on a plane heading for Rome and a successful screen test. George MacDonald Fraser, who had recently adapted 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea for De Laurentiis, was hired to work on the script for during the filming. Of course, as I mentioned before, the musical score of Red Sonia was composed and conducted by Ennio Morricone. The film received generally negative reviews from critics. Uh, review aggreg aggregator website Rotten Tomatoes gave the film a score of 15% based on 27 reviews. And it said that it was dull, poorly directed, and badly miscast. Red Sonia is an uninspired conclusion to Schwarzenegger's Barbarian trilogy. Schwarzenegger commented, It's the worst film that I ever made. But really, when I look back on this film, it really sits well in the fantasy genre of the 1980s. Leonard Maltin gave the score, or gave the movie, 1.5 out of 4 stars, calling it spectacularly silly, and it might amuse juvenile viewers. The Phantom of Movies, uh, Joe Kane, wrote an unwise return for Schwarzenegger to his first hit properly. Only, instead of sword and sorcery, this is a grunt and groan. He grunts while we groan. Yet it should be noted, in Arn's defense, that he manages to stay off screen for more than half the movie. Though the fur and heads fly in a few scattered battle scenes, the title characters wouldn't. 
and the film itself is clankier than the knight's shining armor. There's also, of course, many comic connections to Red Sonja in an ongoing series which depicts Red Sonja's life as a wandering adventurer, and Sonja has made a powerful enemy of Strabonus, an insane ruler of the kingdom of Koth who was put with a price on her head. Uh, Sonja is currently under the employ of the merchant named Osric, who hired her to protect his caravan as it journeyed to Luxor, the capital city of the desert realm of Stygia. During the journey, Sonia fought and destroyed Akim Meek, the chosen champion of the ancient scorpion god. She then helped Osric outrace a rival merchant's caravan to Luxor, only to be confronted by armed guards at the gates of the city. Let's really get into more of the history of Red Sonia through the comics and through the novels. Some of the first origin points that were from 1975 showed that during the Hyborian Age, a red-haired girl named Sonia lived with her family in a humble home in the western Hyrican steppes. When Sonia had just turned 17 years old, a gang of cruel mercenaries killed her father, Ivor, her mother, and her two younger brothers, and burned their house and all their possessions. She survived, but at the cost of her own virginity, after she was brutally raped by the leader of the group, leaving her in shame. Sonia's goddess, Sakathak, which is an odd name, uh, she answered Sonia's cry for revenge. And she appeared to her and offered to bestow upon her unparalleled skill in battle on the condition that she would never lie with a man unless he defeated her in fair combat. Sonia gladly accepted the offer. She grew to womanhood as a wandering adventurer, and as she journeyed, her legend grew as well. She became known as Red Sonia due to her flame red hair, fiery personality, and uncanny ability to spill the blood of her enemies wherever she went. In the rebooted origin in 2014, the new Red Sonia series was written by Gail Simone. The character's origin story was retold, removing both the rape and the supernatural elements of her story. In the reboot, her original name was revealed as Sonjita, rather than Sonia. And she was the daughter of the chieftain of Hyrakian village. The village was attacked by vicious raiders, and Sonita's family and the rest of the villagers were slaughtered, leaving Sonjita the lone survivor. But she was not caught or raped by the attackers, nor was she ever visited by the goddess Sakathak. Instead, Sonjita escaped into the wild and relied on her own hunting skills to track down and kill the raiders one by one. She was then captured by slavers and forced to fight for her life in the arena for three years, through which she gained her unrivaled fighting skill and became known in her arena name, Red Sonia. In the Marvel comics, Red Sonia had a first feature story. She made her debut in 1973 as a supporting character for Conan the Barbarian in his monthly series. In her earliest feature story, The Song of Red Sonia, drawn by Barry Windsor Smith, she wore a modest-scale male shirt and red shorts, and her figure was less curvaceous. 
In subsequent appearances, she donned the famous bikini armor for which she is now known. The fiery, red-haired warrior woman proved immediately popular with fans, and she continued to make appearances in Conan's title as a guest star. Though Red Sonia and Conan were generally portrayed as allies, their relationship was often tenuous due to her fiercely independent nature and the fact that as mercenaries, they would sometimes be in competition for the same prize. Occasionally, they even came to blows, though the threat of the common enemy caused them to join forces later. To complicate matters, Conan was attracted to Sonya, who repeatedly rebuffed his advances due to her personal code of never laying with a man who could not defeat her in combat. Conan was never able to best Sonya in a fight, despite many several attempts, and this often added to the tension between the two. By 1975, Red Sonya had become so popular, she was given a solar solo debut in the Mar- Marvel feature title. After headlining Marvel feature for seven issues, she was given her own title, which ran for another 15 issues. Artist Frank Thorne became indelibly associated with the character during this run. After her series ended, she continued to make appearances in Conan's series, where she first faced one of her most enduring enemies, the evil sorcerer Colin Gath. So currently, with the writer Amy Chu, she has taken Sonya into the future to present-day New York City, who she's after the sorcerer Colin Gath, who had transported her to the current time. Uh, Sonya had teamed up with several different people in the past of Marvel. Um, in 1979, uh, Red Sonya teamed up with Marvel's most popular modern superhero, which was Spider-Man, in Marvel Team-Up number 79, ironically. Through mystical means, Sonya was transported to modern-day New York City by switching bodies with a similarly red-haired Mary Jane Watson, the girlfriend of Spider-Man. There, she fought alongside the web-slinger against Colin Gath, who had traveled back in time along with Sonya. Spidey and Sonya were victorious, and Sonya returned to her own time. In the mid-1980s, to help promote the un- upcoming release of the Red Sonya movie, Marvel released a two-issue miniseries based on the film and also gave Red Sonya another volume of her own title. Her metal bikini was retired and she wore a less revealing blue tunic for this series. The reboot ran for 13 issues, after which Red Sonia continued to make guest appearances on Conan. In 1995, Red Sonia Scavenger Hunt was the last Marvel comic to feature Red Sonia as the titular character. In the late 90s, Marvel decided to focus exclusively on their main superhero universe set in modern times, and declined to renew their rights to the Conan universe and characters. Red Sonja made no new appearances in the comics for several years. Then, in 2005, Red Sonja debuted in the Dynamite Entertainment uh, comic universe. In the early 2000s, a new publisher, which was Dynamite, acquired the comic book rights to Red Sonja. Dynamite decided to bring back Red Sonja's classic bikini armor for her new series, 
which debuted in 2005 and featured the art of Mel Ruby, who has since put his own stamp on the character just as Frank Thorne did in the 1970s. The series was an immediate hit, becoming Dynamite's best-selling title and firmly returning the Red Sonja to mainstream popularity. In addition to her own title, Red Sonja has starred in the title role of many Dynamite miniseries. In 2007, Marvel partnered with Dynamite, welcoming back Red Sonja for a five-issue miniseries in which Sonja and Spider-Man met again in modern-day New York City, in a scenario very similar to their first team-up. Sonya again switched bodies with Mary Jane Watson, and she and Spider-Man battled an old, the old ne- nemesis, Colin Gath, once more. The two succeeded in defeating Gath for the second time, and despite the latter's recruitment of Spider-Man's arch-foe, Venom, to his cause. Then there was the period of time where there was the death and reincarnation of Red Sonya. In 2008, the original Red Sonja character met her apparent death in Sonja number 34 and journeyed through the underworld while contemplating her life and destiny. She was then reincarnated into the body of a different woman of another time and placed in Red Sonja number 35, beginning a new continuity in the series. Her reincarnated form was that of the married noblewoman named Lady Sonja of Dorne, living a wealthy and shattered or sheltered existence and longing for the return of her beloved husband Lord Daniel she was a distinct relative or distant relative of the original red sonia who was now legendary for being the most beautiful and fearless woman in hyrcania upon lord daniel's return the couple was betrayed by sonia's own sister verona and her husband Lord Lakin Lucan Martyr. In a bid for greater power, they had arranged for Lord Daniel and Lady Sonia to be attacked by a ruthless band of pirates. Taken by surprise, Daniel was slain and Sonia was brutally assaulted and left for dead. Her life was saved by Osin who was a bard companion in Red Sonia's previous life and now a seasoned warrior. After the original Red Sonia died, Osin had accepted the curse of Claw, the Unconquered, in exchange for the ability to locate Sonia's reincarnated form and train her to be the invincible warrior she once was. However, the reincarnated Sonia now only had the physique of a sheltered noblewoman making Osin's task difficult. Though she was able to exhibit flashes of her former reflexes, she no longer possessed the peak-level athleticism or formidable powers granted her by the goddess Scathath, whose own divine powers had also faded due to the belief in her having waned. But like her original incarnation, Sonya proved to be a quick study and regained considerable fighting skill faster than expected. She then disguised herself and infiltrated Lucan Martyr's gang of pirates in order to get closer to her husband's assassins and exact revenge, which she eventually accomplished. In 2014, there was a reboot. 
In the reboot series, written by Gail Simone, Red Sonia is notably different from her previous incarnations. Though she still loses her family to raiders at an early age, she is never raped and never meets the goddess Scathath. Thus, she does not possess any divinely gifted powers, nor is she under any oath of chastity. Instead, she gains her supreme fighting ability entirely through her own training. This Red Sonia is as feared as her fighting prowess as her previous incarnations, but more lusty and hot-blooded, with a love for both alcohol and sex unseen in other versions and a ribald, almost crude sense of humor. Here are some of the aspects of Red Sonia. She has a peak level level athlete through a combination of the divine gifts granted her by the goddess Scathath and her own relentless warrior training Red Sonia is in peak phys human physical condition she is imbued with a maximum strength, speed, endurance agility and reflexes that a human female could possess without being considered superhuman in the new Gail Simone series, she does not possess any divine gifts, only her natural-born physical talents and learned skills. She's a one-woman army. She's a weapons master. Red Sonia is a virtually unparalleled sword master of her era, having fought and defeated countless enemies with her blade. Even Conan himself, a legendary swordman, cannot best her in a duel. Though the sword of is Red Sonia's weapon of choice, she is nearly as proficient with other melee weapons and can gain expertise with unfamiliar ones with minimal training. She is an accomplished archer and demonstrates remarkable accuracy with any distance weapon. Sonia's mastery of weapons or arms include being able to quickly improvise and construct weapons with any available materials at hand so that even when seemingly disarmed, she is rarely weaponless. In unarmed combat, Red Sonia has mastered the martial arts disciplines of her era and is a deadly fighter even without any weapons. She has taken down many enemies larger than herself merely with her fists and feet. She has a berserker strength. When greatly angered or outnumbered, Red Sonia can go into a berserker fury, significantly increasing her strength and deadliness in a battle. She has single-handedly annihilated waves of armed opponents while in this state, literally becoming a one-woman army. She has significant tracking ability. She spent much of her time traveling the diverse and dangerous landscape of the Hyborian Age and is a gifted ranger and tracker. She can navigate and survive nearly in any form of terrain and hunt down almost any quarry. She is also adept at covering her tracks and leaving little trace of her passing. She's also impervious to cold. Her stamina, her physical stamina is at peak human level due to Scathath's divine gifts and Sonya's own rigorous conditioning. She can exert herself to maximum effort for far longer than most humans can endure. Being from the harsh and wintry climate of the Hyrican steeps, Red Sonia has built up a high tolerance for adverse environmental conditions and is seemingly impervious to cold, 
even when clad only in her metal bikini. Stealth. Red Sonia possesses cat-like grace and can move about in near silence in order to avoid detection, making good use of shadows and any other available cover. She is also highly skilled at disguise, camouflage, and infiltration. She's also, of course, as we've mentioned before, received divine protection from her goddess. And she continues to do what she can to gain fear in her enemies, or the fear that her enemies have of her. There's other abilities that she has. She's diverse in physical skills, including swimming, climbing, acrobats, and escape artistry. She is an expert horseback rider and an accomplished sailor. Sonia is highly intelligent and resourceful and possesses a keen understanding of warfare and battle strategy. Her charisma makes her a natural leader when called upon, though she usually prefers to operate alone. While she just distrusts magic, she is well acquainted with it and instinctively understands how to deal with the supernatural, a necessity when battling her greatest enemy, Colin Gath. Red Sonia is famous for wearing her scantily bikini-like scale male armor that reveals far more of her curvaceous figure, figure than it conceals and therefore is nearly useless as a mean of protection. Numerous supporting characters have commented on this fact, but Sonia has explained that her armor is deliberately provocative for good reason. Men are easily distracted. Most of them never even notice my sword until their heads roll off their necks. In addition to taking deadly advantage of its distraction against her most male opponents, Sonia enjoys the freedom of movement it provides preferring not to be encumbered by any sort of heavy or restrictive armor anyway, though on occasion she has picked up and used a shield when necessary. She instead relies on her incredible agility, reflexes, and unsurpassed fighting skill to avoid injury during battle. Now, Red Sonia doesn't always wear the scale male bikini. In her first comic book appearance as was talked about Marvel's Conan the Barbarian title, Barry Windsor Smith drew her wearing a scale male shirt and shorts. However, this relatively modest mode of dress did not last long. And in the introduction to the Red Sonia Adventures Volume 1 collection, released by Dynamite Entertainment, editor Roy Thomas explained that a Spanish artist named Esteban Marauto submitted an uncommissioned illustration of Red Sonia wearing a far sexier bikini version of the armor. This occurred while Thomas was editing the magazine Savage Sword of Conan, and it inspired Thomas to have the character redesigned. Soon afterward, Red Sonia appeared for the first time wearing what is now known as a silver metal bikini, and this quickly became her signature look. Now, she's had other costumes, uh, besides her bikini armor, in several issues, Red Sonia's first ongoing series, she changed to a male shirt and leather skirt outfit that closely resembled her original Barry Windsor Smith costume. 
and in the Red Sonia Blue one-shot, she wore a blue tunic as a tribute to her latter days at Marble. However, the signature bikini armor was her regular attire throughout the Queen Sonia ongoing series, and access with a crown and cape while she was playing the role of the Queen. So, most comic book characters, they usually stay uh, traditionally the same in all their runs. And even the metal bikini armor came back in the rebooted Gail Simone series, which I would suggest that you read, because it's an actually a very good series. Let's get into some of the soundtrack points. Um, this is the real highlight to this entire movie. Whether you feel that the movie itself is not a very good one or not, uh, the score by Ennio Morricone is absolutely fabulous. It's an absolute delight, and I love the research that I did for the score and the music. Cashing in on the popular success of Conan the Barbarian and the various other sword and sorcery epics of the early 1980s was Red Sonia, the tale of the barbarian warrior princes based on the original story by Robert Howard, the creator of Conan, and directed by Richard Fleischer. The film starred Bridget Nielsen, the Danish supermodel and future wife of Sylvester Stallone, in her first acting job. In the title role as a woman seeking vengeance upon those who murdered her parents while simultaneously embarking on a quest to find a magical talisman whose power could destroy the world. Despite the presence of Arnold Schwarzenegger in a supporting role as the legendary swordsman Lord Kalidor, the film was critically decimated, receiving brick bats for its acting, writing, direction, and wooden action sequences. In fact, possibly the only member of the cast and crew of Red Sonja to escape unscathed was the legendary composer Ennio Morricone, who unexpectedly found himself scoring the movie. Morricone was splitting his time fairly evenly between Europe and Hollywood in the mid-1980s. His output around that time included such classics as Once Upon a Time in America in 1984 and The Mission in 1986. So for him to have scored a fairly mainstream movie like Red Sonja was not out of the ordinary, especially considering that the film was shot mainly in Italy with a predominantly Italian crew. Morricone was not entirely new to the fantasy genre either, having scored the little-known Anglo-Spanish effort Hundra in 1983, whose star, Lorene London, was also considered for the Red Sonja role. In fact, there are a number of conceptual similarities between Red Sonja and Hundra, including the overall tone of Morricone's music which was adventurous and bombastic. In many ways, Red Sonja can be seen as a blending of Morricone's own fantasy style with some of the compositional touches Basil Paladoras brought to his Conan scores, especially in terms of the choral writing and the prominent use of solo trumpets and lyrical woodwinds to lead the thematic lines. As such, anyone who knows and enjoys any of these works will find much to their liking here as well. Its typical Morricone piece 
has a great deal in common with some of his spaghetti western themes, which often subverted the conventions of the genre by giving a vaguely comical aspect to their stoic heroes. Subsequent recapitulations in cues like Vanna's death are welcome. Sonia's theme is actually more intimate, gently romantic idea, a six-note rising and falling motif for woodwinds and strings, which is less about raw power and barbarism and more of a lament reflecting on the terrible wrongs done to her and the honorable nature of her quest. Like many scores from this era, the release history of Red Sonia's soundtrack is checkered and complicated. It was released on vinyl LP by various Saraband at the time of the film's release, but it was sequenced, oddly, being presented as two long symphonic suites for chorus and orchestra, lasting 17 to 19 minutes, respectively. The two symphonic suites released on CD for the first time in 1990, coupled with Morricone's score for the film Bloodline as part of the Saraband CD Club. But that album quickly went out of print and became a highly prized collectible. Fans of the score would have to wait another 20 years for its first proper release, sequenced and broken down into individual cues when Robin Esterhammer's boutique label Perseverance Records released it as a 2,000-copy limited edition in 2010. This is, by far, the recommended presentation of the score, and is the one people should seek out. I think many people find themselves quite overwhelmed by Ineo's Morricone's vast filmography and discography, and they don't really know where to go next when they've added half a dozen or so essentials to their collections. With that in mind, I wouldn't hesitate to recommend Red Sonia to people who want to explore some of Morricone's less famous works. It has all the compositional hallmarks and stylistic ideas that make him such a wonderful composer, but it's much more accessible to many of his more experimental scores. So today, I've got a few cues for us to play. First, I'd like to play a combination of three cues, the prologue, the main title, and the talisman. Now in explaining these, after a brief diversion for a cooing choir in the magical prologue, the main title presents a rousing performance of a heroic galloping theme for solo trumpet, which is passed around different sections of the orchestra as it progresses, even picking up a wordless choir during the cue's second half. Many believe this to be Sonia's theme, but it's not. It's actually the theme for Lord Kalidor, Arnold Schwarzenegger's character who trains and guides Sonia throughout the story, and eventually becomes her lover. Although some may consider it to be too light and bouncy for a character intended to have a great deal of power and nobility, I have found that it, I really liked it. Other cues of note include the religioso harp and choir motif for the talisman, which appears later in the cues such as Touch It and the extended Chamber of Lights, the superb restatement of the magical theme from the prologue 
is in Sonia and the Sword Master. And some of these cues we'll hear a little later on. So now let's play the prologue, the main title, and the talisman. <laughs> Thank you. 
Next, I'd like us to get into some of the cues regarding Sonya's meeting with the swordsman for the first time. In Vanna's death and the Chamber of Lights, the cues give us this ominous fantasy feel that brings us into the world of Red Sonya and her eventual confrontation with the talisman. So I'd like you to enjoy Sonya and the Swordsman, Vanna's death, and the Chamber of Lights. Thank you. 
come down to an end of an episode once again. The last cues I'd like to play really tie up the movie well. Entering the castle, Sonya defeats the queen and the end titles. This epic battle is one of Ennio's best themes for the fantasy genre. I feel there isn't anyone else that could have done this music any better than Ennio Morricone. If you want to check out his filmography or his discography, I recommend you do so. His extensive collection of film scores is so massively large. He has done things in the mainstream genre as in also his own uh, native land. And so I really want to recommend to you to look into that Look into his other music and see how wonderful his themes are, how wonderful his music can be. And that's what really generates the popularity of the score of Red Sonia. Well, you can email me at soundtrackalley at yahoo.com. I'd like to thank Jillian Orwall for my theme today, as always. She does amazing work. You can find me on iTunes and Podbean and Google Play. Uh, on Google Play, it's Soundtrack Alley, no spaces. Check out my site at SoundtrackAlley.net and also like my Facebook page as well as the Podcast Arcade page. So without further ado, I give you Entering the Castle, Sonya Defeats the Queen, and The End Titles. So happy listening. <laughs>
Just a quick note to my listeners. Today marks the uh, opening day of Wonder Woman, and I've got a special treat for you. I have some a special suite that I've designed for you to be able to preview the new mu- movie soundtrack by Rupert Williams. Hope you enjoy.
Thank you for listening to Soundtrack Alley, the podcast. I hope you take some time to review my podcast on iTunes and also listen to it on Podbean. And if you leave a review or rating on there, it'll help us get noticed on iTunes. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to Soundtrack Alley Spotlight. If you are on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show. Also, if you want to leave a comment, question, or concern, please email me at soundtrackalley at gmail.com and enjoy looking at my blog at soundtrackalley.com.